Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith with this week's message. If you would get your Bibles open up to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. It's important, again, for us to understand that, again, I, I believe wholeheartedly, I should say, there is enough history and documents to affirm the fact that the book of Ephesians uh, traditionally was a letter, and, and there are a few books of the New Testament that, that actually do this, but it was a letter that was not written specifically to a specific church for specific reasons. Now, there are some of the churches, when you read the letters, those letters do address specific problems within those churches. Now, a lot of people will say, well, since it was a problem at that church, can't really apply to this. No, churches still deal with very common difficulties, their challenges and their struggles. They don't differ. And the same way that, uh, that the problems don't change, neither do the solutions. We have scripture that uh, is our guide when it comes to the things that we, I should say, the parameters with, within which we are allowed to operate. And I say in parameters which we're allowed to operate, make it almost sound like uh, somebody's, uh, somebody's steering the wheel. Well, I hope they are. And as Christians, we're supposed to be individuals who can look at a scenario in life, regardless of what the scenario is. I should be able to walk up to a wife and say, wife, how are you supposed to love your husband? And I should be able to walk up to a husband and say, husband, how are you supposed to love your wife? If I walked up to a woman or a man right now, if I just picked one randomly, don't fear, I'm not going to pick one. If I picked one randomly, walked up to you and said, wife, how are you supposed to love your husband? According to the Lord's standard not yours or anybody else's, by God's standard, how are you supposed to love your husband? How many of you think you give me the answer? Or what if I did it the other way? Walk up to a husband and say, hey, husband, you're supposed to be loving your wife within the parameters that Jesus Christ gave you. Can you tell me what those parameters are? How many of them can tell me? How many people in the world are looking for happiness in their relationships? You think everybody gets married and decides that that's it? They're just going to, it's like, it's like the hangman's noose for the rest of their life? The idea is we, we really do fall in love with people, and this emotional attachment that happens to us is, is, is an attachment that is very primal. The first command that God gave man, you remember what it was? Be fruitful and multiply. Go. Be fruitful and multiply the earth. Just how fast are men and women willing to jump into a relationship? Be honest. Pretty quick, right? We get that, I mean, we get that, our antennas are up and we get that static and we just kind of are people that we're ready, right? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have a family and they're going to have a family and we're going to have big families and we're going to do what it is that God's called us to do. Well, as human beings, we naturally, we naturally deviate to the parts that God created us for, but how many people can actually say, I do what God tells me to do, and here's why? There's a lot of people who can say, I will do what God tells me to do, and they just stop there. Now, the why isn't why I'm going to do it, but here's why God wants me to do it, okay? Because the idea that the churches were having back then, this understanding that we can take a small part of God and we can interject him into any part of our lives that we want to, which is commonly what human beings are doing. 
in this common in, in this day and age a small part gets inje- injected into the life of an individual are we supposed to be people who occasionally worship god through christianity are we supposed to be christians who serve outside of that capacity but never leave it which which are we first are you a human with responsibilities first or are you a christian first because if you say I'm a human responsibilities first, then guess what a lot of your, your solutions to your responsibilities are going to look like? They ain't going to have Christ in them. Christ first. Why did, Jesus, why did Jesus tell those individuals who followed him in Luke chapter 14, that group of individuals, why did he turn around and say to them, if you come after me and do not hate your family members, and even yourself, you can't be my disciple. It was the exact same point that he was making. Now, this being a letter that could be sent to any church, and it be read by any church, and most of the manuscripts that have been found of this passage of Scripture, they do not contain the word Ephesus. A very small minority of the, of the of manuscripts that, were, that have been found contain the word Ephesus. Ephesus isn't anywhere. And it was because that letter could be written and sent to a church, and boom, it applied. It wasn't... It wasn't situated according to the church's problems. It was just a model by which people could understand how to live. This is why if you go back in chapter 5, starting with verse 20, it, it deals directly with relationships. Not only the relationship between a husband and a wife, and a wife and a husband, but the relationship between Jesus and the church. All of that's summed up in 20 verses at the end of chapter 5. And it's simple. It is there to help us understand how life at its fullest is attained that's what it's there for how many women do you suppose at any point in their life expect their husband to act like another woman how many men expect their wife to act like another man How much do men and women really spend time in thinking about the differences between the genders and then figuring out how those differences in those genders not weaken one, but strengthen both? It's pretty simple. I'm the guy who decides that I don't need the instructions. Used to tell a story a long time ago about a microwave cart. We bought our first little mobile home and I put that microwave cart together and I got all the way to the end and realized I put one piece on backwards and the only way that I could put that door on was to push it in. So me, being the man who I am with OCD and ADHD, I just put the door in the cabinet and left. for years this has haunted me all you had to do keith all you had to do was read the instructions right now here's what i here's what i get with everything pertaining to life and i'm talking about people's happiness their relationships the way they raise their kids the habits everything in life where do we find the solution to this it's exactly the same 
Our sufficiency is in Christ. Christ's sufficiency is in us. Until the day that we decide that we are going to do everything that we can to read the instructions that he's given us that is the key to life at its fullest and that we're going to make that the priority in our life. People ask me all the time, they say, well, man, how'd you get away from the drugs? I like the Jesus high more. I don't know how to tell you. I have people say it all the time. I've had people get on to me before. You can't use Jesus in that context. But I don't know how else to use it. How else do you explain that when you're looking for something to satisfy particulars in your life, that we find excitement in so many things, but never fulfillment until the day that we find Christ? Now we have a piece that fits everything. And we know this. Down deep, we know this to be true. Because we've, if we've been there, we've reaped the benefits from it. You've felt the peace that passes all understanding. You've felt the strength when you were under so much pressure. You've seen God move in your life and in other people's lives. Does he really need to prove that he exists? Does he? And I don't care where you are in life. You could be living life awesome. If you're living life awesome without Jesus, it's not as awesome as it could be. See, the problem is we've turned it into work. We've just turned it into, listen to God because he's God. Just do what he says. It's that simple. But it's not that simple, and I'm about to show you why. You want to see the heart of God? Look beyond your own hard shell, and you'll see the heart of God. He's not a guy standing there with a reed ready to beat you over the head every time you make a mistake. It's not who he is. To this world's made him out to be, but it is not who he is. And I'll prove it to you. How many of you deserve to be alive today if he was that kind of a God? I'm not saying that God's never disciplined me, but he's never taken me out. And I'm worthy of that. I know I'm worthy of that. Just like I told all you guys, made you take that uncomfortable trip back in that little corner last week. I have one too. Don't be surprised. I'm a human being. I have a past. God says, look, if you want life at its fullest, if you really want to be happy, if you really want to understand this relationship and see what this relationship is about, then all you have to do is look. All you have to do is look. I know, right off the bat. Or a pick on some kids. Don't get too excited, though. There's a structure that lays here. I want the kids to hear this because it is true and applicable, but I want you to also see the structure that lays in the background of what it is that he's saying here, okay? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Kids, very clear responsibility there. Now, it does put a standard on this. Children, obey your parents. Does it just say that? People like to quote it that way. Children, obey your parents. Is that all it says? Go back to that slide real quick, Zach, if you don't mind. 
Children, obey your parents. What else is in there? In the Lord. The pressure's not just on the kid here. The pressure's also on the parent. And we're going to see in the next verse when we read beyond verse 3, verse 4 is going to give us a little bit of insight into a little bit more parental responsibility. But again, I want you to see the structure. And the only way that this structure works, the only way that what God is about to say works, is if kids have their minds made up that they are going to listen to what their parents have to say. Their parents are in the Lord. Their parents have the best of intentions towards their kids. We wouldn't tell our kids they couldn't do something without us being worried about a threat of some kind. We wouldn't tell them they could do something unless we thought that it was something that was going to promote growth in them. We are very determined and intentional when it comes to what our kids can and can't do. All of this hinges on a kid's preset mind that says, I will obey my parents in the Lord. Why? Because this is right. The only time you'll see it, a while ago, remember I said, right there you see it. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So a while ago I said, it's not good for people to just walk up and say, because God said so, right? Except for for kids. There he said it. Because what does the kid always say? Listen to your parents. Why? Because God said so. Yeah, but why? For this is right. And anything other than that is wrong. This is right. The only way a child benefits is if they are willing to accept that they're supposed to obey their parents as long as they are living in the Lord, choosing in the Lord, in the Lord, giving instructions in the Lord. No kid ever has a right to tell their parent no ever look at verse 2 and 3 real quick again honor your father and mother now this is something you could deep dive into honor your father and mother is something that the Jews always took very big they took very seriously okay um, now honoring their father and their mother many times when they, when they competed father and mother and God okay so somebody would, if, if, if uh, Jesus uses this as an example, it's a paraphrase. If, if my parents were uh, to do something for me, okay, and I was to walk up to, to them and say, oh, praise God, bless him for what you've done for me. That's what religious people do, right? Almost like the person who gave the gift didn't really have any value. There was no personal Bridges that this person had to cross to be able to actually give something that meant something to them. It was, oh, praise the Lord for, you know, praise the Lord for what I'm able to do to help you. So if, if I honor my mother and father because God told me so, is that honoring my mother, my father and mother? It's not. Do you think that God's okay with me honoring my mother and my father over him in some areas of my life? What did he just say in that last verse? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. He gives you some of this, folks, just like he's going to give it to all of us. You don't deserve any glory. The glory you deserve, you will get, and Jesus will be the one that will give it to you. This is the same way. It's the same thing. 
honor your mother and your father means that your mother and your father have have they have worried they have labored they have sweated they have bled they have put themselves in harm's way multiple times throughout their lives do you need to thank god for what your parents have put an effort into you can thank him for giving you the parents you have but you know what he expects he expects you to honor your mother and your father with the honor that they deserve why yeah, they were doing it for the Lord, but if you're a Christian, what do you not do for the Lord? This is why Jesus is the one that's going to come along and he and say, your mother? Yep, sleepless nights. I've seen you sacrifice. I watched you go above and beyond to make sure that your kids were cared for, that they had what they needed, that they were taken care of. I've seen you do it. It is a slap in a mother or father's face for a kid to say oh what God gave me that's how I got to help you and God don't like it I'll prove it to you in scripture he don't like it he's uh uh-uh that is not honoring your mother and father that is you cheapening what it is that they've done for you that's you cheapening it in other words what's the tension he turn into this it's relationships children where are you at on totem pole low man so you just get to listen right in the process of listening you make sure that you don't do it like a robot but you're actually paying attention to what your parents are doing for you what your parents are sacrificing for you what your parents are trying to model to you what they're trying to teach you because any any kid who believes that a christian parent will teach them things that cause them harm has no idea what a christian parent even is But I want to go to that friend's house and stay the night. Parents going to be there? Yes. Who else is going to be there? No. You ain't going to answer that question very fast. The answer is no, right? Well, I'm just a big jerk. No. I genuinely want to see you come back home. Unharmed. As individuals, within these relationships, we have responsibility. And those responsibilities, the better we are at carrying those responsibilities out, it's just like I said last week. We get to choose what kind of a church we're going to be. And we get to understand, I'm gonna, I'll fight, I'll kick, scream, and, and bark. and We're not changing the foundation. The foundation is Christ, right? But you get to decide whether, whether we're a loving church or not. You get to decide that. You get to decide whether we're a church that's going to have compassion for people who are, who are facing the difficulties and struggles of the world. You get to decide that. You get to decide when you wake up in the morning what kind of a person you're going to be. You get to decide how you're going to treat your spouse. You get to decide how you're going to treat your kids. You get to decide how you're going to treat yourself. You get to decide that. And the truth is we always reap what we sow do the same thing over and over expecting a different result that's insanity look at verse 4 fathers do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction 
of the Lord. He still uses the word discipline here, and he uses the word instruction. But when he says, do not provoke your children to anger, how many of you guys have ever seen a parent do this? They just ag and ag and poke. And the kid becomes really angry. It's not teasing or joking around anymore. The kid becomes really angry, and they keep getting poked and keep getting poked and keep getting poked. What are you driving a child to? Absolute uncaged fury is what you're driving a child to. Now, don't get me wrong. Are children supposed to obey the parents and the Lord? And are there consequences for those actions? There are. But what's he saying here? Be constructive in the lives of the people. Of our kids, be constructive. Be intentional when it comes to what it is that we know that something's going to produce. Because we are individuals who operate within the habits that we form. How many of you have ever talked to somebody? Um, I'll give this a little bit longer because this is definitely about me because I'm, I'm the type of guy that does this. Talk to me on two different occasions. You might talk to two completely different people. It's possible. could happen. I'll still answer the same name, okay? But given my circumstances and surroundings, I am capable of reacting any way that a human being can, can react. The only thing that separates me from anyone else is the question is, is what my emotional state is about to provoke in me going to provoke me to do something that is negative in the life of somebody or myself or positive in the life of, of, of somebody or myself? And sometimes, you know what this means? It means sometimes you got to just swallow that crow, all right? You don't get the, I, I told you so's. You don't get the arguments from your own side. Somebody has to be the bigger person. And the bigger person is always defined by the one who is working towards a solution that is positive. God doesn't give anybody instructions to destroy people. If anybody looked at the history of the church over the last even 40 or 50 years, there's no reason under the sun that people wouldn't think that we don't just beat everybody inside the church who, break, who, makes, who makes a mistake. Because that's who the church is. Stand up and tell people, this is what you've got to do, and this is, what, this is the list of things. No, that's not what it's about. Do you know why husbands, do you know why God wants you to love your wife? Because you're responsible to do it first. And I can promise you this, you truly love your wife, what's she going to do back? Boy, women, a lot of women have a problem with that whole submit word. But every woman that I've ever spoke to about that word submit... When I asked him this question, if you had a husband who was led by the Lord, who treated you the way that Jesus expected them to, would it be easier to submit to him? 100% of the time, the women will shake their head and say, you had better believe it. Men, you're the key. You are the key to a great marriage relationship. Our kids, we're the key. We're a key to their great relationship with Jesus. And the way that we treat them will either drive them away from Calvary or when they get to the point that they're on their own and they're not being made to go to church anymore, that they'll go to church anyway. I mean, honestly, what do you want for your kids and your grandkids? 
Do you want your kids and grandkids to have an experience about church that when they get freedom and are no longer tied to have to go, do you want them to walk away from it and go, "Uh uh-uh, no way, want no part of that. I'm on my own now, I see no benefit in it. Matter of fact, it's always more pain than than, than it was pleasure. Or would you rather a kid grow up and to understand the value? I'm not picking on just parents here, folks. Who's responsible in God's eyes for for the experience that every kid in this church has from the time they get here to the time they leave? Who's responsible for that? Rosie, you work with the kids. One of them gives me a hard time. You're the one I'm coming to talk to. No, not just Rosie. Rosie's accepted her part. Everybody in this building is responsible to make sure that these kids want to come back to church. We're responsible to make sure that each other want to come back to church. And we only do that by creating relationships that don't provoke people. Provocation's never good. It's not good in, a, in an adult-to-a-child relationship any more than it is between two people who are believers. Now, can people be a little bit harsh on each other? Absolutely, Christians can. And have you ever met one of those people that you, the two of you can take it and you, and you dish it out between one another? I'll tell you the line grazed for me a little bit there. Because, yeah, we can harass each other. What's a person sitting at the next table overthink? Is it a joke to them? So, I mean, it's, there's, why do it? If it's going to be a negative, why do it? He says in five, Slaves, be obedient to, the, to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ not by way of eye service as men pleasers but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart how many of you guys have heard of quiet quitting heard of quiet quitting it's basically where an employee shows up at work does just enough moving around to make their employees think that they're working but they're actually doing nothing that's productive for the company at all it's new it's huge. It's, it's a phenomenon. I mean, if you, honestly, if you look it up, there are a lot of people that look at this and going, I don't understand how, this, how, you even, how do you get to this point? How do you get to the point that's like, yeah, I'm going to show up at a, work, a job every day and I'm going to do like 10% of my job and then pretend I'm busy the rest of the way and I'm gonna sh- I'll show it to them, sticking it to the man. Is there any honor in that? There's no value in that. Not by way of eye service, as men pleasers let me ask you a serious question how many of you guys ever set up little systems to let you know when the boss was coming if we set up little systems to let us know when the boss is coming what are we doing you're providing eye service as serving men. That's what it is. That's what eye service is. Eye service literally means look busy, but don't really do anything. Even being a slave. And he, and he nails the point with this. But as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. I love you. Why? Because I have to. 
don't get me wrong there's a part of me that's in here that wants to okay but I'm a human just like you are and relationships are built and destroyed with me just like they are with anybody else right somebody has to trust somebody otherwise we just walk around the church giving each other eye service you know what I'm talking about the people that you've had history with that come by and tell you they love you the ones who tell you how important you are once a year the people who try to tickle your fancy because that is what continues to give them what it is that they get you think you work for your employer if you're a Christian do you believe that you work for your employer or do you believe that your employer works for God He's the one that set the system up. What in the world problem could he possibly have? What problem could he have with somebody sticking it to the man? It's ungodly. What, ha- what good has ever come from somebody sticking it to the man? All it does is makes the man angry. And then he turns around and does something that makes the people angrier. And then they're going to turn around and do something that makes the man angrier. And then where does the will of God end up in all of it? Lost. Ends up lost. We become an emotional mess in the relationships that we're a part of, so much of an emotional mess that we lose focus even on how much our imprinting on our own kids can affect their lives and their futures. And it's okay to be busy it's okay to occasionally get scatterbrained but if you want to live this life in christ it's life at its fullest then we've got to learn how to communicate with one another we've got to learn how to be positive within the building up of each other not that we haven't been but i think we could take a lot more advantage of the opportunities that are in front of us verse 7 says with goodwill render service as to the lord and not to men knowing that whatever good thing each one does this he will receive back from the lord whether slave or free i want you to read that again this is a promise this is a promise whatever good thing each one does this he will receive back from the lord whether slave or free every good thing that you do in your life you get back God's going to give it to you. Doesn't it say that? Does, does it not word for word say that? And is it a promise? Is there any conditions attached to that? It says knowing that. What does that mean? Common knowledge. Knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he, he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. What does he mean by whether slave or free? Be a pain in the butt? Guess what you're getting back from him? That's what that means. You don't do good, you don't get good. If you don't get good, what is that? It's bad. Now the thing is, God don't have to sit up there and hold a, a fly swatter over anybody's head because in case y'all haven't figured it out yet, what's this world we're living in right now? Bad. This is the natural consequences of living in this planet. 
the supernatural part of this is for us to desire to turn the light on in the dark place. It dawned on me one day. I wasn't happy in my marriage. Where does that go usually nowadays when somebody says, I'm not happy in my marriage? Only one way out of that. Nope. Of course, my mind wouldn't even go there. Do you know what the Lord told me when I said that? Well, then do it different. And there was a scripture that popped into my brain. And the scripture, this is paraphrasing. You want to see good days? Learn when to keep your mouth shut. Because the fact is, we are scatterbrained, and there are so many justifiable reasons for it. And once in a while, we need to be tethered back and anchored to Christ and to be shown what it is that's actually important in life. Because the only way that we are really willing to do whatever it takes is if we are convinced that what it is that we're doing is worth it. It's that simple. I'm sure I'm going to preach more sermons in this particular passage of scripture. But if you leave here knowing that whatever good thing each one does this, he will receive back from the Lord. Just how much does that apply to? Could it be that whatever good thing that he does to his wife, whatever good thing that parents do for their children, whatever good thing that people do for strangers, whatever good thing that, I mean, are we, how many good things are we talking about here? <coughs> you want a happy marriage? Be good to your wife. Be good to your husband. You want strong kids? Grow up to be strong adults? Be good to them. It doesn't mean be easy. But it does mean be good. Why? Because this really is what this is all about. I depend on you like you should depend on me. You bring something to the table. And I bring something to the table too. But the question is, is what you bring to the table and what I bring to the table enough for us to commit to one another? Because that's what I need. It's not enough to say I will, I need commitments. By that I mean, if you're going to be a Sunday school teacher, be here on time. If you're going to sing in the band, practice at 8.30, be here on time. If you're going to serve in any capacity, be here on time. Why? You don't understand just how important you are. When you're missing, it's felt. It will shake the whole structure when a person's missing. Something has to move out of place to keep the structure from falling. So we commit. Oh, preacher just turned out of work again, didn't he? Is it work? Because if we want to do what it is that we want to do for the Lord, and if we're being driven by the right thing, what is it that should be in our way that makes us think, hmm, 
Maybe not. I love to deer hunt. Oh, used to not like having to get up to do it. Right? Man, but I really like deer meat. How often do you think I'm late to the woods? Doesn't happen. You know why? Because I want to be there. Now, I'm going to grant you that occasionally things happen. We may oversleep. We may have... That happens to everybody, right? But let me ask you something. If, 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 if we have responsibilities under any circumstances and we go say, let's go four, four times in a row and we're late four times in a row, what's the problem? Circumstances? And does it matter? I feel bad if I'm late meeting somebody here at the church. Because I know what the impact on that is. But just like last week, I said, this is what a church family is, and this is how church families become church families, and we get to decide what it is that we're going to be. You get to decide how good your marriages are. You get to decide how strong this church is. You get to decide everything about this church. You get to decide how this church spends its money. You got to just come to a bit as me. You get to decide all that stuff if you're a member of this church. So what kind of church do you want? Because if we're going to do a church, if we're going to have a church that's going to be established here, of a church that's going to actually mean and do something into the community, I don't need this here two weeks gone for. I know you're going through stuff, and I'm willing to help you get through those things. But I'm going to tell you now that if we as a church are going to grow and grow consistently, I need you at church, the church that God called you to. I need you here. I'm not saying be here every time that the doors are open, but I am saying we need some consistency, right? And I'm not being abusive to you, trying to push you to do this. I want you to understand that the model and the structure through which we operate as a church is a structure that depends on every person in it in order for it to function. Do you want to grow? Because I'm telling you now, I believe that we're at the point where we can but it's not going to happen just on my efforts and it's not going to happen just on the efforts of a few other people and it's not even that it requires a whole lot of effort you know what it really requires in order for us to have a successful young adult ministry you know what's required it's a tough one you ready they just have to come that's it they just have to come women's ministry do you know how awesome a women's ministry in this church can be who gets to decide that well, the women do. Well, how do they decide that? Can somebody tell me how the women decide that? They come to church. They show up. They have a women's ministry meeting. They come to the women's ministry meeting. Men's ministry stuff's going to start before too long. If we don't have any men show up at the men's ministry stuff, guess what we're not having? Jesus needs you. You say, well, he's God. He don't need me. He, made, he structured the whole thing so that he could need you. If he didn't need you, why would he be giving gifts? Why would he have any expectations in his word at all if he, if he wasn't expecting us as individuals to not just live the life at its fullest, but also give the life at its fullest? He's the one that gave it, provided it. But we have the opportunity to give it too.
I hope and pray that I've not been too hard on you guys today. And I really hope that you can see, that you can look and see what it is that I'm saying. When's the last time that you've actually seen an opportunity to be a part of something that matters? I mean, really matters. Things that are actually earth-shaking and life-changing in individuals' lives. When's the, when's the last time you've actually looked at something and said, I want to be a part of something that splits the gates of hell wide open? Something that provides support and strength and encouragement for people that we know need it. We just need one thing. You have got people that are in this church who are willing to support you, and you have got a God who has paved the way to make it as successful as you want to make it to be. It's no different than any other ministry, no different than any other, any other gift that God's given. The beauty in it is you get to decide exactly how it works, and you get to decide exactly what the results are. Because God's already been clear. Do things His way, see His results. Don't do things His way, we'll see results. They won't be His. If you're here today, you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, never made that decision public, please take advantage of the opportunity to come up and, and just tell me you want to be saved. I can't save you, but I'll take the time necessary to share with you the one who can. If you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, life is what life is. And, 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 and until we decide that God is who He is and that we are going to be who, who we are going to be based on who we know that He is, life is waiting for us. But no, you're alive. You know, one thing I notice, no matter how good life gets, it can always be a little better. No matter how good it gets, it can always be a little better. And Jesus is the one who does that. Amen. Thank you, Brother Keith. And for those listening on the podcast, I want to offer that same opportunity to you to come to the Lord. If you've never placed your trust in Jesus, now is the time to do so. By default, we are all sinners, separated from God, and there is nothing we can do on our own to fix that. That's why God sent His only Son, Jesus, to come live a life without sin. He was put to death on a cross as a perfect sacrifice for that sin. And to seal the deal, He came back from the dead three days later. If you truly believe that and ask Him into your heart, you will be saved. If you're already a believer, this is a great opportunity to recenter your life in Christ. Take these next few minutes in prayer, and I'll be praying for you as well.
Thanks again for listening. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. Have a blessed week and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.